Good morning, commute listeners. Uh, there hasn't been a new commute from Michael Zeke in three or four commute times. I would say days, but it was the weekend. And uh, so I'm worried that not even Zeke is listening anymore. It's just you and me, anonymous internet void. You know, one day I'll go back and delete all these like I did with my Zanga entries and my middle school journals. And in the future, people might say, hey, you don't delete information, you simply archive it. And by future, I mean invention of Gmail in 2008. But in another future, they might say, of course you do that. That's a lot of personally identifiable information. And you don't want else, you don't want someone else replicating your mind bot your face clone. I'm in a weird mood today, commute listeners. This is The Commute, brought to you by tires. You gotta get where you're going. They're like shoes for your car. Tires. Your car wears them on their car feet. Tires. They're brought to you by the same people who made rubber. Rubber. It's sort of bouncy and naturey, but also made of oil, and we're running out. Rubber. This episode brought to you by tigers. I am too tired for this joke. I chugged what was left of this morning's espresso, so I feel like you're going to hear me get more and more excited as the episode goes on. I don't think I have a lot of anxiety, but I've been getting, not heart palpitations, but I can feel my heartbeat lately when I have too much caffeine, which I think is the definition of too much. Like once you realize it's making your heart vibrate like a hummingbird, maybe you reel it in a little. I also am in the, uh, I'm feeling healthy. And and I'm talking about my feelings because uh, I was thinking more about the quality of consciousness and that feeling of feeling real. And I was reading an article yesterday about how understanding reality is not necessarily an evolutionary optimal trait. What's evolutionary optimal is to see what is evolutionarily optimal. And the example given was seeing a watering hole. If it's too shallow, you can't drink it. If it's too deep, it's scary and you'll drown in it. So what you want is just a survivable amount of water. And so your mind may, and this all seemed very theoretical. I didn't delve into the research paper. Maybe I should, but that is for for another time in life. You have time to sit and read research papers. It's called college. But the thinking is, uh, again, the example he gave is you might see the pond full of water as green. Hooray, water, or a slight flowing stream. Green, good, water. But both the desert and the ocean, your brain would just say, nope, red, don't want to live near that. Which makes some sense. You wouldn't bother optimizing for all the different states of reality. That's just not how evolution works. You can't optimize for everything all at the same time. It's like when people want good work done fast and cheap. Well, maybe pick two. More likely pick one. 
Little buzz. Getting them buzzes from Facebook. So his point is, we don't live in reality. But then it veers off into this weird metaphysical thing where this, I guess, psychology researcher tries to explain it through the physics of quantum states. And it's like, nope, there's a reason that people don't bother doing that. Because I can describe the wavelength of light reflecting off grass, or I can tell you that it's green. And because we all live in a society where the word green is accepted, it just makes more sense. You don't need to explain every interaction of electrons to explain the epiphenomenon arising from them. Which is good, because we don't understand every interaction of every quark and gluon down at the bottom level. Um, you don't have to. Now, some of the thinking is, if the quarks and gluons down at the bottom levels are, you know, some kind of matrix-style simulation, or less maliciously, they are a hologram projected on a 4D-dimensional flat plane, which scientists are currently testing, which I don't fully understand, obviously, because I probably messed up which dimension is which. Um, it doesn't necessarily have ramifications for the epiphenomenon of your day-to-day -day life. You'll still like steak, even if you're not eating steak. Uh, you just think you are. You'll still... You know, need to pay taxes to the imaginary government. Imaginary in a lot of ways, am I right, guys? But... It, it, I'm just shy of needing those. Sorry for the noise. Just getting a little sprinkly out here. Um, so the feeling of existence matters. And he also tied it into, it was a weirdly rambling article, and then I tried to write something that was equally rambling, but uh, that's a draft for later. It was a weirdly rambling article that also touched on the idea of telepresence or the Star Trek-style transporters, that stream of consciousness where if we are simply patterns and you duplicate the pattern who maintains that stream of consciousness and does it really matter to you or because you obviously wouldn't be able to feel both at the same time and it seems obvious that your first one would maintain the stream because of its physical location but then you get back into the quantum effects of electrons and gluons and muons and you're not the same particles you were seven years ago because your body digests gum. Your body re replaces all its cells over the course of seven years. But more to the point, an electron is an electron in a probability curve. It's not that, well, this electron is Chris and this one is Dan. They just sort of exist within spaces. And the scale we're talking about is tiny. Again, you don't need to know where every electron is to know where the Bed Bath & Beyond is, but to say that you have property rights over these electrons is a little silly. I don't know why I'm going to property rights, but the, probably because I went to a physical store instead of a human person. But... 
the human person question is if your electrons change every moment, let's say, and I'm not going to define a moment for you, but probably on the scale of picoseconds, pico, not Planck length. A Planck second? What do you call a second? There's a term for the time it takes light to travel one Planck length. join the board, it's very hard to leave. And it's not just because they don't want you to leave. They don't. It's nice to have you being there with them. But they... The parts of you that would have wanted to leave have already been assimilated and you have changed as an entity such that you don't want to do that anymore. So... And I use the teenager example because I was thinking today in the context of um, 
feeling you could, the, the first things you would want to automate are the painful and annoying tasks. And, you know, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind style, get rid of the stuff that hurts, and then suddenly you're living in this fairy tale land and you don't want to go back to one that hurts. It's like leaving Los Angeles. It's very hard for people to leave Los Angeles because it feels nice most of the time, or leaving the Matrix. Um, and then this came up yesterday in an internet comment I made, but I think there's similar issues with universal basic income. Once you roll people into this society where they're more cared for, I think that is the thing to do, and I think technologically and economically this sort of organization of people and this sort of universal basic income to provide for all is the right thing to do. I just think there's a problem when uh, someone someday will want to leave and they'll suddenly realize, wait, I thought I wanted to leave, but I no longer have that part of me that wants to leave. And is it okay to change people in this way to make them agree with you? Because it's part of the collectivization process, that they understand collectivization. It's part of why urban centers are more liberal, because we're all in this together. And I think that's right, I just think it's hard to separate yourself sometimes. I don't know. This has been an interesting one. I hope someone listens to it someday, and if not, I'm happy to have joined the hive mind and we can all assimilate this knowledge together. Thanks for listening to The Commute. We'll catch you next time. Peace.